Let's pray. God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather in this space, which is so much more than just a room, not because we're here, but because you're here. And uh, God, we look a little bit higher than the things that we're facing and searching for today, and we're just looking for hope, we're looking for help, we're looking for clarity. God, every single person in this room is going through so many different things, and I ask that you would use my words, articulation, communication, go beyond the things that I say to impact people right where they're at, that they would get the answers that they're looking for, they would get the inspiration that they're in need of, that the wind in their sails would be accelerated, that they would be hopeful today, that they would leave this place better than they walked in. God, we're so thankful today. Let's just take a second and just be thankful. God, we're so thankful that we have hope, that we have somebody to look to, that we can cling a little bit higher than our situation, that we woke up today. God, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's look in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. It says this. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and if you're wondering what that means, it's talking about people who have finished their race here on earth, people that have died and gone on uh, to heaven. We're surrounded by people that have finished the race, that have, that have gone on. Because we're surrounded by these people, it says this. Let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say weight. Mm-hmm. Lay, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It continues on and it says this, as we run that race, be looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, meaning he was here before it all got started, and he'll be here long after it's all, all done, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, think about that, who for the joy that was set before him, he did these things. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Several years ago, I, I was eating dinner. I was out of town, uh, actually by myself, and I walked into this uh, small uh, this diner-type place, and uh, it was really small, probably only fit maybe 100 people kind of thing, like if it was like really, really packed, and they were having an open mic night. Now, I'm kind of drawn to weird things like this, like open mic nights, because when you get to be a part of an open mic night, you can literally be whoever you want to be. Like, really. Like, you can give them a, a different name. Like, whatever name you want to tell them is your name, you, you can do that. If you want to be an artist or if you want to be a poet, if you want to rant about your political views, you can do this at an open mic night. If you're, you're a singer, you can sing. What, whatever you're kind of, you know, I'm, I have this thing that one day I want to do stand-up comedy. And you know where I'm going to start? I'm going to start at an open mic night. And so when I got to this uh, dinner, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm out of town. Nobody knows me. I'm going to sign up to do this open mic night. So I, so I sign up, put my name on the list. I'm eating my dinner, and, uh, and they say, coming up next. I did like that voice, you know. Coming up next, uh, they introduce me. Nick, come on down. So I come on down, and I get on the microphone, and uh, I open up with a few words. I say, hey, uh, you know, I don't know everybody here today, but uh, I think change is something that our world looks for, that we're all kind of looking for. And I think sometimes change, change starts with the hope that it can. And uh, so I want to sing this song. So I sang uh, this old song, uh, Change is Gonna Come, by Sam Cooke. Okay, so I, I stood there, I said, I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know. That a change is going to come. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. 
Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know that a change is gonna come. So I go to my brother and I said, brother, help me please, yeah. But he winds up knocking me back down. Oh, on my knees, got me begging you, please, yeah, yeah. There've been times that I thought that I wouldn't, I wouldn't last too long. But now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know that a change is gonna come. Oh, yes, it is. A change is gonna come. And when I finished, the place went nuts, like erupted. Like, people, I mean, there's probably only, honestly, like it was packed full, there's probably like 70 people there, but it was electrifying. Like, people stood up, like strangers are crying, they're looking at each other, like, oh yeah. I mean, they're just like shouting, whistling, and I'm like, yeah. And it was, it was bigger than a moment of ego because people are shouting my name. It was this electrifying human experience. I don't know if you've ever had that. Some of you feel this when you come to church where you're like, I don't know what in the world I just felt, but I kind of like it. Like that was the, the type of moment that this was. Like everybody just felt like they had been through something together, that they were rejuvenated with hope, that they, they, they were just thinking beyond their situations. They had been removed from their problems for just this, this moment of time, and it was, it was magical. As I hopped off the stage, there was this guy that was probably a couple tables back, and he's standing there, and he's, he stood up, and he's clapping, and he's kind of just smirking at me. He's kind of looking at me, and he's shaking his head, and he's going like this, and everybody's, all eyes are on me, so when I hop off the stage, I just, I go for a high five right toward this guy, like, come on, man, wasn't that awesome, and, and he just kind of, he, he, he keeps looking at me, and he kind of just shakes his head, and I'm, I'm like, high five right here, and he shakes his head, and he's just shaking his head and just looking at me like this, I'm, and I'm thinking instantly, like, all of my joy and excitement and exuberance is like, Bro, don't leave me hanging. You know what I mean? Like, this is about to be really embarrassing. All eyes are on me. I'm like, come on. And he just, instantly I'm thinking, like, what did I do wrong? Like, did, did he not like the way that I sounded? Did they think I was a little bit pitchy? Maybe he's a former singer. Like, I'm trying to make sense of the situation because it doesn't make sense to me. All of a sudden, this moment of magic, all of a sudden, this moment of excitement, all of a sudden, a moment of, like, man, life is so good and electrifying has been detoured by one situation that I can't make sense of. So I go and I sit down at the table, and, and I'm not thinking about the big magical moment anymore. All I can think about is he didn't give me a high five. Like this dude did not, I mean, what, why wouldn't he give me a high five? Why wouldn't he respond to my, my, my hand out in front of his face? So I'm sitting there, and honestly, 20, 30 minutes go by. I'm not hungry anymore. I don't, I'm, just, I'm just sitting there. And uh, this lady comes walking up to me, and I'm sitting there by myself at this table. And she says, hey, great job tonight, by the way. I said, thanks. She said, she said, does anybody tell you about that man that you tried to give a high five? And I said, no. She said, well, he's blind. <laughs> Instantly, my emotions do a full spin again. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Like, here I am distraught over something that I can't make sense of because I think this man is, like, disrespecting me. 
When in reality, he wasn't disrespecting me. In fact, he was celebrating me the only way he knew how. On their way out, the husband and wife uh, stopped by my table. They had to walk by me to, to get out. And, uh, and the lady says to her husband, who was the blind man, she says, she says, babe, this is the guy that sang tonight. And I stood there as he reached out his hands and found my shoulders. And I'll never forget this. He, he took his hands and he patted them on my chest. And he said, don't you ever stop doing that. He says, tonight when, when I heard you sing, I didn't just hear you sing. I felt you sing. I left that moment man, trying to rationalize and figure out what I had experienced. I think the reality of life is life is a lot of times like this. We experience the magic. We experience the great things. We experience human connection. We experience the thrill of relationships. We experience the thrill of getting a new job or maybe having a financial break. We experience the thrill of of being physically or emotionally healthy. But then there's that one thing That one thing that I can't make sense of, many of you are probably dealing with a situation like that in your life today. I would like to be happy. I would like to be joyful. I would like to ride the ride of life. But if I'm honest, there's just these things that I can't make sense of. Most people spend their days trying to make sense of them. Why am I going through this? Why am I facing this situation? Will it ever give? Will my relationships ever change? Will my marriage ever change? Will my financial situation, will I always be going through these financial hardships? Maybe you got sued this last week and you're thinking, man, there are so many bad people in this world. Of all of the people that had to be chosen to go through this situation, you ever been there? You ever heard these kinds of things from people? Why, why, would, why would it be me that has to go through this? What am I talking about? I can't make sense of life. I can't make sense of the situations that I'm facing. And so I try to make sense of them. And many people in this room, myself included, We cling to different modes of operation to make sense of the things that we're going through. I think many of us as believers or people of faith, we cling to spirituality. So we'll immediately say things like, oh, God must be trying to teach me something through this season. Like, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? I'm I'm going through this and it doesn't make sense. God must be trying. You know what? God probably didn't have that man give me a high five because he didn't want to go to my head and like really kick my ego into gear, right? Like spiritualizing it. Other people take more of a natural approach where we begin to point fingers and think, who, who, who did what? Whose fault is it? Who said, well, if they wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't respond the way that, that I responded. So, and, and you know what? It has to be their fault. What am I talking about? Trying to make sense of the things that we're going through. Yet the reality is at the end of all of our rationalizing and analyzing the things that we're facing, the things that we can't make sense of, we still can't really make sense of the things that we're going through. It's still just our best guess. It's still just our best hunch. Why? Because when you're in the midst of the journey, it's hard to make sense of the journey. It's not so you get down to the ro- down the road and look back from afar, look back on your journey that you say, oh, I get what that was all about. How many of you in this place have walked through things in your life and when you're going through it, you hated it, you despised it, you thought this is the end of my life, this is the worst thing that could ever be happening to me. And yet you get down the road a little bit, you think, thank God that that happened. That was actually God working behind the scenes. This is the way that life works. This is why I'll teach over and over and over to you guys that what doesn't make sense in the journey will always make sense in the end. What am I talking about? I didn't realize that the situation I was dealing with was actually a blind man trying to celebrate me until it was the end of the night. When I'm in the midst of, I can't make sense of it. I can't make sense of it because what doesn't make sense in the journey always makes sense in the end. And I think it's intended to be this way. Why? Because I don't think the journey is about making sense of the journey. I think the journey is about enjoying the journey. 
What am I getting at? I don't think that the purpose of life is me sitting down here as a human being trying to understand God, trying to understand spirituality, trying to understand why I'm here, trying to make sense of life. I don't think the purpose of life is to try and make sense of life. I think the purpose of life is to embrace the gift of life. Life is to be lived. Life is to be experienced, to experience the magic, to embrace the relationships of people around you, to see everything that God has given to you as a gift. You know what the greatest gift is that most of us overlook this morning? The fact that you got to do that and there's people in the hospital that are fighting for their lives right now. I don't think that life is always supposed to make sense. I think it's to be lived, to be experienced. What doesn't make sense in the journey, one day you're going to get down the road and it's all going to make sense. That's in essence what this scripture is talking about. It says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, there's people who have finished this race that you're on. And because they finished the race, they're cheering you on and shouting at you. And they're shouting at you some things. There's some things that they're trying to encourage you to do. There's these people that are surrounding you. And here's here's what they're saying. They're saying, lay aside the weights. Lay aside the sins. Lay aside the distractions. Lay aside the things that are burdening you. Lay aside the things that don't make sense. And do what? Focus on Jesus. Jesus, yeah, because he's the author and the finisher. In other words, he gets it too. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what he's doing in your life when you don't even know what he's doing in your life. He knows the way that he's working when you feel like he's afar and he's forgotten about you. He knows what he's doing. So in the midst of your life, when you want to be burdened by the weights, when you want to be distracted by the sins, lay those things aside and focus on Jesus for what? And do what he did is what it says. What what, what did he do? The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, He endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy that was set before. In other words, in order to choose joy, it's going to get good this morning. In order to choose joy, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. I'm here to tell somebody today, you may be going through a season that you can't wrap your head around, but you still have the ability to soak up the life that God has given around you. You can choose joy the way that Jesus chose joy. I love that the the, the text, Jesus chose joy, and they didn't say that he chose joy right in the midst of doing some great miracle. It didn't say that he chose joy in the midst of people shouting his name and coming of age and, oh, he's going to be the Messiah. No, it talks about Jesus choosing joy right before the crucifixion, right at the most desperate point of his life, at the season in his life that probably made the least amount of sense. I really don't want to have to go through this. When you're going through life, remember that you've been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that have finished this race, and they get it in a way that you don't. And if they could say anything to you, focus your eyes on Jesus because he gets it too and do what he did. Do what? Choose joy. Because my natural disposition as a human is to be focused on the things that don't make sense. Check out this puzzle. You can put this picture up the screen. See that? So you have have a picture here. And what is the one thing in this room that we all understand about this photo? Yeah, it's missing a piece. Right? It's It's missing a piece. What's crazy about it, it's only missing one piece. This picture of this baby polar bear. Okay? But... But science will show that you're neurobiologically hardwired to focus in on the piece that is missing. This is why when I put this up, it's dead silent in the room. If the piece wasn't missing and I put up the picture of the baby uh, polar bear, what would everybody do? Aww. Right? And yet there's 49 other pieces of the puzzle that are showing, but we focus on the one piece that is missing. This is the same thing in our life. We focus on the one thing that doesn't make sense, and we miss out on the magic that is surrounding us. You have an ability to choose joy, to focus on the other pieces that God has given you. 
the pieces that are surrounding you, to get my eyes off the one thing that is missing. And that's in essence what it is saying. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the burdens. Let go of this. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. If you're distracted by anything, it's like my dad was talking about this morning. Isn't it the, the, the weight of my bad decisions? This is the whole thing that we have a tendency to forget, that we are believers. We are believers in Christ, meaning that Christ has paid the price for all sin so that I could freely live and seize and gravitate towards the life that God actually has for me and not be limited by my behavioral issues. So I got to lay aside those things, lay aside the piece that doesn't make sense so that I can focus on the other pieces. What is it that I'm to focus on? To focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who chose joy. Easier said than done. How do I choose joy? I think he talks us through a process. If you're taking notes, write this down. I believe this is going to help you. For the joy set before him, how do I choose joy when I certainly, how do I choose joy in the midst of the relational turmoil? How do I choose joy in the midst of the financial hardship? How do I choose joy when I'm going through a physical hardship that I never, how do I choose joy when I'm battling anxiety? And Nick, if you knew it, I was up all night and I don't even know why. How do I choose joy? The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he chose joy by number one, he endured the cross. If you're going to choose joy, there are some things that you are just going to have to decide I will endure. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about survive. I'm talking about endure. I'm talking about not quit. There's certain things that you're just going to have to walk through. Sometimes when it comes to choosing joy, the only way to it is you got to walk through it. Meaning there's seasons of my life that I don't understand that don't make intellectual sense to me that I'm going to have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and trusting God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's like, God, why do you have to put that scripture in there? Like, can't we keep it all positive, y'all, you know? But I think in life, this is the, the, the picture. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to die, but there are certain things that I'm going to have to walk through that I never saw coming. And the whole idea is that if I keep moving, God will be faithful. If I keep moving, joy will show up. If I keep moving and trusting and don't throw in the towel, I haven't seen my best days yet. I'm going to have to endure. He had to endure the cross. Thank God we don't have to endure the cross, but the cross is indicative of something. It symbolizes something. The cross is symbolic of pain. This is something that we don't talk a whole lot about in our society. And I think that's why most people struggle to have thick enough skin to endure hardship or endure pain. You're going to experience pain in life. You know why you're going to experience pain in life? Because here's what pain is. Pain is anything that doesn't go the way you think it should go. Like, think about that. Think about, think about that. That's actually your definition. Oh, this, I'm just going through a really painful situation. Well, why is it painful? Because it wasn't supposed to be like this. Right? So, so things are painful in life, not, not because it's some looming, dark, uh, you know, mysterious force that is coming to, 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 to attack us. Pain is anything that doesn't go the way that I think it should go, which I think is ironic that we think we know how it should go. Like, think, think about this. I've been, been on this trip for, for, for a while now, reminding you that you can't even make sense of how you showed up on planet Earth. And yet you think you know how things are supposed to go. Like some people say things like, oh, I wish I would have born at a different time. I could have been born earlier. I wish I would have been born. In like that legit couldn't happen. Like you understand how this works. Like your mommy had to meet your daddy. And then they had to, you know, like at the, at the, at the right time, like it had to be exactly as it was or you don't show up. It couldn't have been a day later. It couldn't have been a week later. Otherwise, guess what? You don't show up. I don't even know how I got here. And yet I think I can determine how this life is supposed to play out. 
This is why I experience pain in my life because it doesn't look like I think it should look. There are going to be things in your life that you're going to have to walk through that I'm going to have to trust God that there's a bigger picture. Sometimes in life, I think the pain that you're experiencing is actually God trying to align you into the purpose for which he has created you. What, what am I getting at? If I resist change, if I resist the things in my life that feel so very painful, if I throw in the towel and give up on life, give up on my relationships, give up on my finances, give up on my career, give up on my uh, mental health, give up on all these kinds of things, I could very easily forfeit the reason that I was put on the, on the earth, uh, the, my, the reason I was, I was put on the earth to, to exist because I don't understand what it is that I'm going through. I think sometimes in life you have to choose to cling to a bigger picture and trust that even if I don't understand, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm going to choose joy. By what? I'm going to keep moving. Because sometimes I think God, I think all the time, God knows more than you know. And if you say you're going to trust him, then hey, why don't we trust him? Right? Like if you say, no, I'm a believer, I trust God. Okay, well then let's trust him when situations arrive at our doorstep that feel like pain. Maybe it's not. Maybe I don't need to resist it. Maybe I just need to keep moving. But what if it's not God? What if it's an attack of the enemy? What if it's the evil one bringing pain into my life? Well, you know what? We're, 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 in, we're in good luck because the Bible says that God makes all things, all things, all things work together for the good of those that love God. That means whether it be God directing my steps or it means a bad hand dealt in life, that God can take all of that and somehow still use it for my good. If I do what? If I choose, if I choose joy by choosing to endure. If I choose, when I, when I think I'm just through living it, I have to make the determination that I'm going to live through it. Did you hear me? When I feel, when you feel, I'm just through living it. No, you got to change that around. I, I'm going to decide, I'm going to live through it. I will not quit. I'm here to remind somebody today, don't you dare throw in the towel. You choose joy by enduring. There are certain things that you're just going to have to walk through. It doesn't mean that God's forgotten about you. It doesn't mean that you're hopeless. It doesn't mean that God's not good. He's good and he's faithful. And hold on, I promise you, when you get to the end of that road, you're going to look back and you're going to think, oh, you were blind, right? He endured the cross. And it keeps going. In order to choose joy, he endured the cross. In order to choose joy, here's the second thing. It says he despised the shame. If you're going to choose joy in your life, you're going to have to endure pain. If you're going to choose joy in your life, you're going to have to despise the shame. What am I talking about? Because this, this scripture is it's kind of fascinating because you think about the context of despising the shame. Of what? Of enduring the cross? And then you start thinking about what that really means. Like, what is there to be shameful about as it pertains to enduring the cross? Like, think about what Jesus is actually doing. Jesus is actually redeeming all of humanity for their sins. Like, he, like he's, he's wiping away all of your failures and all of your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and all the people that will ever come out of us through this one act of gracious, gracious love and compassion. He is trading his perfection for our imperfection. What did, he sounds like, that sounds like a hero to me. So what shame is, is exactly are we despising? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The shame of the cross, I think it's more than that. I think it's the shame of endurance. Because I think the human response to endurance is shame. In other words, the longer I have to go through something, the more I start thinking, man, maybe something's the matter with me. Is anybody, this is why people don't like to go through things, right? This is why you don't like to go through seasons that you didn't see coming. Because what are people going to think? 
And what does this mean that God thinks of me? Does this mean that God's not for me? That I do something wrong? He's punishing me for something that I did when I was a kid. He's punishing me for the thing that, I, that happened to me when no, that nobody knew about, and it wasn't even my fault, but, but he must be punishing. What are people going to think when I'm going through this financial hardship, and they think that I'm a joke because I'm, I'm still going through it, and it's been 10 years? What are people going to think when we're still having marriage issues, and we're still blowing up at Thanksgiving dinner? What are people going to think about the endurance? Because there's something about endurance within the course of humanity that with, with it comes along shame. And if you're going to choose joy, you're going to have to make a decision to despise shame, to understand what you've been through, what you're going through, what you will face, what has happened to you. is not indicative of your worth. It doesn't change the way that God sees you. Your season does not determine your significance. And I dare you in this place to make the decision to square your shoulders and choose joy by enduring, by taking one step in front of the other and despising the shame of whatever it is that you live through. To understand that just because you go through things does not mean that you're less than. Somebody needs to hear that like deep into your soul. Like just because you've been going through it, and even if you feel like you deserve it, just because you go through things, it does not change. It does not change your word. Don't you understand the context of this entire conversation that we're having? It's all centered around run your race. This is why we as humans could never, we should never use shame as a tactic against one another. To make people feel bad about the things, well, you must be doing something wrong. Well, we have these gauges based upon societal standards. Isn't it funny you look at a big church and a small church and you think, well, the big church must be doing something right. Maybe they just have a different race. Maybe they, have a different, maybe they have a different mandate by God. Some of you in this place, you look at businesses that are bigger than yours, and you think that your business is insignificant because it's not as big as somebody else's business. I'm here to remind you that every single person has its own race. Don't allow shame to get into your heart and to your soul and deter you from the thing that you've been put on the face of the planet to accomplish. Man, if you're going to choose joy, you got to despise the shame. Despise the shame of the fact that my family doesn't look like everybody else's family. My whole family doesn't come to church. And I look at all these other families, and they have all their families come to church. you got to despise the shame. The journeys are different. God has you on a journey just like he has everybody else on a journey. And the journey isn't cookie cutter. All of our journeys are different. This is why we got to trust God. we got to endure. we got to uplift one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to keep going, to keep trusting God, to not be shameful and embarrassed about the things that we're going through. Man, to understand that, man, it may be part of my story, but... But it doesn't define my worth. Hear me again. Don't allow the season that you're in to, to define your significance, to steal your significance. You're just going through a season, and it's going to be okay. God doesn't think it you less. Man, in your life, you have to make the decision because if you choose to embrace shame, you forfeit joy. Understand that the two cannot coexist peacefully. When I, when I allow myself to be burdened by the shame of, I don't know what they are going to think. Oh, what are people going to think? What does God think? When I allow myself to be burdened by shame, God will never use shame to direct you to, to, direct you to his path. You, you understand that? God, God doesn't make, that is the difference, this is the difference between conviction and condemnation. God will never condemn you in a season of life to make you better. He'll always bring conviction, which, te- here's the difference. Con- con- condemnation, condemnation makes me feel bad about the things that I've done. Oh, I'm horrible. I'm worthless. Conviction, you know what conviction says? I can do better. You know what conviction says? Man, there's a better life ahead of me. If I could trust God more, man, God can turn this around. There's not a shame aspect with it. If I'm going to choose joy, I have to be willing to endure pain, and I have to be willing, I have to be willing to despise, despise the shame, to turn my back on it. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to be surrounded by people that try to make me feel shame about my journey or the season of life that I'm in. So in order to choose joy, He endures the cross, endures pain, 
He despises the shame. And then there's a third one. The third one is really interesting to me, okay? Because if I'm writing the scripture, I think it should be a little bit different. Like I'm thinking, set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Then joy showed up. And when joy showed up, he sat down at the right hand of God. But that's not what the scripture says. In fact, it's, if you watch the punctuation, it's all separated by commas, which means each statement could stand alone on its own. So it could say, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, period. For the joy set before him, he despised the shame, period. For the joy set before him, or in order, other to choose, in order to choose joy, he sat down at the right hand of God. So, so what, what am I proposing to you today? If you're going to choose joy in your life, you've got to be willing to endure, to keep moving. You've got to be willing to despise shame. And here's the third thing. You've got to be willing to sit down. It says he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. What am, what am I saying? Sometimes in life, you got to remind your problem of your position. Let me say it again. Sometimes in life, you got to remind the thing that doesn't make sense. you got to remind the problem that you're up against at your, of your position. Do you know who I'm seated next to? Do you know who my dad is? Do you know who put me on the face of the planet? I'm not a peon down here trying to get God to throw blessings on me. The Bible says that God has raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. What am I saying? It's not just Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. It's you. And because of where you're seated, you have an ability to remind your problems of your position. That God is not neutral towards you. He's not just okay with you. That God is passionate for you and every prayer that you pray and every tear that you cry and every petition you make known unto God every person that you love he hears it and you know what he says yes and amen and even when you don't feel like he's moving and even when you don't feel like he's working he's executing things on your behalf because of your position not because you earned it not because you deserved it but because he's good because he's faithful because he's our God If I'm going to choose joy, sit down at the right hand. Sit down. If I'm going through something, the last thing I want to do is sit down. I think sometimes in life, this sit down is like, you know what? You got to chill. Do you not? Who do you think your God is, man? You really, what kind of God are you serving if you think that he's really forgotten about you? Like if you think that your God forgot, get it, don't ever come back here again. What kind of God is that? What kind of God do you believe in? The kind of God that I believe in is the God that sits me at his right hand. And he fights on my behalf. And even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when it doesn't seem like it's happening, he is worthy of my trust. What am I getting at? How, how, how much are you willing to trust him? How much are you willing to trust him when all the pieces aren't there, when it seems like all the pieces aren't showing up? How, how, will, how long are you willing to stay seated to allow him to do his job? <laughs> Because when you get up out of your seat, you know what? He can't do his job. You got to let the one on the throne make the decree. And that person on the throne is not you and it's not me. You have to make the decision in your life. Sometimes in life, you got to remind yourself. You got to remind your problem. My position, my position, my position, my position. I have been seated with God. I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. What does that mean? So I can, he's trustworthy. I can trust. What, what am I getting at? I think a lot of times in life, we have these missing puzzle pieces, right? These things that don't make sense. And we allow the missing pieces of our puzzle to cause us to be distracted from the pieces that we do have. Here's my encouragement to you. Those of you who are missing pieces of your puzzle, you're fighting things, you're dealing with things that don't make sense. I think that if you would focus on the pieces that you do have instead of shaming the pieces that you do have, that God would give you the pieces that you don't have. 
What am I talking about? An attitude of gratitude is not just a Thanksgiving Day message. Did you hear me? Attitude of gratitude is not just something I think we should all remember around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. It's this idea that when I see this photo, I have to, make, I have to choose. I have to choose to look at the other pieces. The tendency is when I'm frustrated with the one piece that doesn't make sense, my frustration usually leaks out on the other pieces. This is why you'll find yourself doing things you never would have thought that you'd be doing. And a lot of times in life, you have to make the decision. Make the decision. to value. You have a lot of things to be grateful for. Like there's a lot of good in your life. Let me tell you something. Because I'm right there with you in this journey. My, my, my oldest son, nine years old, will be 10, 10 this year, told me this last week, hey, Dad, can we go play pool? I said, yeah, let's, let's go do it. So we have this, like, rec center by our house. And, and uh, so we went to go play pool. And we start playing pool. And if I'm honest with you, as I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm there playing pool with my son, but my mind starts to drift. And my mind starts to drift about all of these areas in my life that don't make sense. I start worrying about my future. I start worrying about God's plan. I start worrying about the mission. I start worrying about finance. I start worrying about relational stuff. I start, my mind just starts, starts thinking. And I'm thinking, and all of a sudden it hits me. It's like, what are you doing? Like here, here you have this incredible gift, a child that is counting on you to be there for him, to love him, to, to raise him up, to be a father. And here you are distracted by your future. Let me say this to you today. I hope that you're not so convinced of your mission in life that you miss out on the moment. And I surely hope that you, I surely hope that you don't get to the end and find out that the real mission was the moment. You hear that again? I hope in life that you aren't so focused on what you, we think we know. Well, here's what I my purpose. Oh, you sure? How do you know? You got a hunch? You know? I hope you're not so convinced of the mission that you miss out on the moment and get to the end with the great cloud of witnesses and find out, oh, man, the mission was the moment. I hope you don't miss out on your nine-year-old boy that's going to be out of your house in nine years. I hope you don't miss out on the season of life that you're in at the job that you hate that really is a gift from God because there's people there that are hurting and broken that God wants to use you and your story to help them experience transformation through the love of Christ. I hope you don't get to the end and miss out on the fact that the mission, oh, the mission wasn't, the mission was the moment, friend. The mission, did you know that you want to get there, but when you get there, there becomes here. You never get there because there is always here. You can be nowhere else but where you're at. So profound, right? May we never lose sight of the mission. What do I do when things don't make sense? Oh, we got people cheering us on. Here's what you do. You fix your eyes on Jesus because he gets it. He knows the beginning from the end. Do what he does. But what does Jesus do? He chose joy. When? In the midst of every circumstance, in the midst of every trial, in the midst of every tribulation, when things made sense, when things didn't make sense, when people were knocking on his door saying it's time to die, when people were cheering his name, he chose joy by enduring some things. I'm going to keep moving. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Some things I just got to walk through. I'm going to despise the shame. I will not allow my season to determine my significance. And then I'm going to sit down. I'm going to trust God who is bigger than me. I'm going to remind my problem. I'm going to remind my problem of the position that I didn't put myself in, God in his grace and his mercy has placed me in. And when I do that, I find a joy that cannot be contained. The Bible says that this is God. You know how we talk about, we're, we, how, why does celebration exist? We exist for you to live the life that God has for you. 
The Bible talks about that life is the kingdom of God. That's what it means. Anytime in the Bible where you read uh, the kingdom of God is, that's what we're talking about. It's God's way of doing things. That's God's best life that he has for you. You know, what, you know how the Bible defines the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, I'm right standing with God, not based on my performance, based upon how good he is to me. Peace, an ability to be okay. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Ability to be okay when things are not okay. And what? And joy. May you never lose joy in the midst of the journey. May you keep your eyes focused on the one thing that matters instead of being distracted by the things in your life that don't make sense. What if the purpose of this life was not to make sense of life? What if life was truly to be lived? Would you pray with me all across this place? God, across this room, we just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit in our closing moments together that you would speak to our hearts, that you would think through our thoughts in a way that only you can. God, I pray for every single person that is hurting and broken today. Here's the, pray, here's the prayer that I pray today. God, that they would just be encouraged and uplifted, that the Holy Spirit, in a way that only he can, would breathe life into the cells of the weary this morning. People who are just tired because life can be destructive and life can be hard and there's lots of moments that don't make sense. God, today, can we leave this place ready to just be encouraged and go after whatever it is that you have for us, not just tomorrow, today, to truly believe that our best days, hear me, what if, you could, what if your best days weren't tomorrow? What if you're living in them? What if you're living in your best days? And maybe your best days are only a perspective away. Maybe your best days aren't a position away. Maybe your best days are a perspective away. Somebody hear that this morning. Maybe your best days aren't a position away. Maybe it's not if you were doing something else with other people. Maybe it's just a perspective away. God, Holy Spirit, would you help us to hone in on your perspective? Come on, right where you're at, just with your eyes closed, with an open heart. Band's going to sing. Can we just open our hearts to God in this moment? Yes, God. Yes, Holy Spirit. Come on, allow the Holy Spirit just to rejuvenate the recesses of your heart. There are things that can happen in this moment. It's like we talked about at the beginning of service. Yulia, I don't know what that was, but it changed me. I don't know what I felt, but it changed me. I can't even explain it. I can't describe it, but some, I, I left different, and I'm thankful for it. God, we choose to look at the good. We choose to look at the good. Come on, some of you just look at your family. Look at the fact that you woke up today. You have breath in your lungs. That means he's not done. He's not done. He's not done. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You just got to keep going. You just got to keep moving. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You just got to get through it. You got to keep trusting. You got to despise the shame. Trust God. Come on, he's trustworthy. Yes, God. advice I got in this year was with uh, a man that I, I looked to as a mentor in some ways. And I was sitting with him. I was expecting something a little bit profound. And he just looked at me and he said, Nick, you know, you're doing a really good job. He said, you just got to keep going, man. And I think some of you, you need to hear that today. To the person that feels underqualified, feel like you're doing a horrible job, feels like, man, just it doesn't seem like we're making the headway that I want to be making. Let me just say to you, you're doing a better job than you think. 
You're doing a good job. You just got to keep going, man. You got to keep trusting. You got to keep doing the right thing. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. All across this room, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you never made a decision to place your faith in Christ, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe that we spend forever somewhere. We spend eternity in heaven or hell. Simple. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't think you got to understand it all. That's why it's faith. I'm choosing to believe in something bigger than myself, and that something I think is a someone. And I believe that his name is Jesus. I believe if your heart compels you to do that, I think you're ready to make this decision. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. I'm not even going to ask you to lift your hand. But I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud. In fact, we're a family, so nobody's going to pray alone. Celebration, Clovis, those watching on YouTube, you, this, this morning, people watching on YouTube, I believe God's ministering to you too. Can we pray this prayer out loud? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I say out of my mouth, you're the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me, and I believe you came back from the dead for me. Say, Jesus, help me to live the life that you made me to live. Help me to live the life that you have for me. In Jesus' name. Everybody sit. Can we put our hands together and celebrate with all those that made that decision today? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 